Hello and welcome to episode number 264 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Shame uh, the streak is broken, but you know, never mind. Yeah, it's a bit of a quieter one this week really. A much more of a low-key affair. It's always that come down, you know, especially from like like you say a row of cinema releases mm. but obviously last week's was such a big one um it was so exciting like i'm still on a high from it to be honest with you um and this was one of those times when the podcast kind of came along quite quickly of like oh we just yeah i guess we've yeah. got to move on from it you know that's the thing of doing one one new film a week is that you kind of move on from things quite quickly um but yeah we do have one you never thought you'd see and you've been waiting months it's kind of like ah, oh, like <laughs> like i say mm. the pause button has been unpressed and then uh we're not at the cinema <laughs> yeah and you just want to savor it don't you you don't mm. want to mo- immediately move on to, to the next new thing um but yeah we are in fact going to be talking about uh censor um which is a new british horror movie that came out recently um so yeah we'll get to that soon um but yeah as far as news goes there's literally one item this week and it's pretty it's not that interesting to be honest with you i just put it in here because it's, it's kind of cool like we don't really talk about box office stuff <laughs> because we often. need a news section <laughs> yeah well i'd already put this in here at the start of the week thinking that there'd be more stuff to add and then it just didn't get added to so i was like oh man this on its own is a bit of a stretch um but uh it is to do with horror box office because so basically this is fascinating because i don't even know if you're aware or or many people are aware of this that rob zombies halloween um that was obviously released back in 2001 uh, 2007 um has held a box office record um Mm. so it's the labor day weekend box office record in the in north america yeah and it's every year it's cool because i've seen rob tweet about it a lot in previous years of kind of like oh we held on to it again and and like it is extremely notable because tenet came out last year during this yeah i know that's the one that we thought would would beat it yeah there's been plenty of big hitters that have you know come quite close and it's not like the movie made an insane amount of money it made just under 31 million um in that kind of week in that week 31 you say (laughs) yes um so it's you know very good um for a horror movie opening weekend but it's not some sort of crazy figure um but it's just somehow kept on to this record which has been really cool um but of course records are there to be broken and it just got completely obliterated Iterated, um by marvel shang chi over the weekend um yeah because happen. yeah like as soon as a marvel this, movie <laughs> so this is the first time a marvel movie is released this weekend then yeah like obviously that's the thing <laughs> is that there are i mean literally i would say probably over 50 movies that, yeah easily you know in that time frame that would have beat it had it come out within that weekend yeah. um but it was still cool and it was still mm. a successful thing so congrats to obviously that movie for holding it for so long um but yeah I it kind of glass to you yes um but yeah like i think shang chi they said made up around 84 million um over the weekend so like not even close to what the original record was um if you're gonna get beat get beat yeah exactly like that'll be interesting to see now with that record but yeah shout out to halloween like it was a cool one and especially like 2007 wasn't you know that isn't a great fond you know period for horror um that kind of mid noughties is a very weird 
era to go back to mm. um obviously that being a remake speaks volumes because that was pretty much all there was when it came to like theatrical horror um yeah. you know obviously saw had kind of just come out like saw and hostel were around that time so there was still stuff happening um you know it was it kind of like the wasn't. start of that craze it was a strange time but it's wild to think that rob zombie has a box office record Mm. um and held a box office record for you know 15 years or over 15 years you know it's um yeah given uh, most of his movies don't even get a theatrical release (laughs) exactly you know now it's like will his movies get distributed or will they just Mm. be kind of bootleg on a website somewhere like (laughs) not not because he doesn't want them to but because that's just where he releases them like there was one point where i genuinely thought that free from hell might be released on his instagram yeah <laughs> yeah that's where we were just getting all the information um yeah. but uh so yeah that's pretty much it not really too much to say about this one um mm-hmm. but yeah a slow slow news week shall we dive into this week's film let's do it let's talk about sensor So, yeah, as we kind of mentioned at the top of the show, uh, a nice little British horror movie Mm. this week, which I'm trying to think now. I should have prepared and actually looked at the list, but I feel like we haven't seen too many international movies this year, Um, you know, outside of, I guess, the traditional American releases, Mm. Um, because last year was pretty crazy for that. I think the pandemic kind of opened us up to a whole range of different movies on demand. And I remember we saw so many international movies, um, you know, and yeah, so definitely. that was that was at least one of the cool things is that we weren't just relying on the traditional stuff. Of course, like American releases will always be our bread and butter. Nine times yeah. out of ten, they'll always be our favorites as well, um, as is the also, size of I, the American kind of film business. No, exactly. Of you course, so it goes without saying. Um, but there's one of these things that, you know, when we do get like a St. Maud last year, when you mm. do get, especially for us, you know, to see a british horror movie that's fantastic elevates it even more because it's just nice to see that we're producing something of that level definitely and we've seen quite a few cool ones you know mm. over the years for the podcast and yeah most notably saint maud obviously last year was i think we both mm-hmm. was unanimously saying it was the best one we've covered um so yeah we get to censor um mm-hmm. what is what is this little movie about um so it's it's quite an interesting premise really and i think for me it was the 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 premise that kind of um got me on board and then kind of seeing that it was british as well which kind of makes sense with the premise Mm. um i was like oh okay it's actually you know proper british production but it's um weirdly enough something that we've spoken about quite a bit on the podcast this year when discussing (laughs) wes craven yeah um that this movie is kind of um, centered around the the kind of early eighties when the um, BBFC, the the British Board of Film Classification, I think yep. that's what it is, mm-hmm. um, were given the kind of the power to to kind of censor movies and uh, put age ratings on, and it's it's when the uh, black market of video nasties kind of came out and and was prevalent and kind of the Wes Craven movies and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all of those movies that were kind of deemed these video nasties became on the black market and had this trend. And this, this movie is centered around that world. And we're in the middle of censorship and video nasties and black market. And, um, uh, 
the interesting angle on this one is that um, our lead Enid is a um, what would her job title be? I guess video sensor. Like yeah, she, she, she watches the videos, um, these horror movies, and it, she is the person tasked with a assigning them a rating and b or b giving them the cuts and the restrictions that they need to put on their content to get the rating to then get it in front of the public. So she is banning movies and until they kind of meet her standards. So she is the, 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 the law, the police on these video nasties. So we kind of join her. Um, and, and, and yeah, just before we kind of go any further, I think that was a bit that interested me because we've spoken about it a lot this year, like that, the, the eighties and that kind of, censorship of movies and kind of that video nasty world has been been really interesting to me and kind of the thought of um you know when we talk about these movies and especially some of these ones that come out in the last couple of years that are so hardcore and extreme and i kind of think like you know the the censorship that was around it's really it was really restrictive on these filmmakers like craven Mm. and kind of you know back then not to go off on too much of a tangent but like it has kind of fascinated me so when this movie kind of was announced that was centered around that i didn't really need to know any of the other premise that i'm about to go into i was just quite excited about that part of it um because i've been quite into that recently yeah Um, i pretty much agree and i also think like we'll obviously talk about this movie mostly but i do want to have another separate conversation about censorship and stuff because mm -hmm. we've like we've talked about it a lot on this show but this is like the perfect time to talk about it because it's relevant to this movie so we can definitely circle back to just a more general conversation about censorship as well yeah and um yeah so enid is kind of in her job doing the censoring and um we find out that she um has a sister who um when they were kids has gone missing and kind of she is still kind of searching for her and trying to find her even though her parents have pretty much given up to the point that they kind of you know produced a death certificate to say to enid like we've already lost one daughter you need to move on with your life and get over that. And kind of that's her baggage. And then kind of um, she um, is involved in kind of, um, oh God, why am I drawing a blank on the uh, film, the real life film that they talk about here? Oh, is it like uh, Don't Go in the Church? No, no. The one that the the amnesia killer had watched. Oh, oh God, I can't Brain remember. Brain damaged. Was it? Was, it brain, was it brain damage? I, I couldn't tell you. I can't oh, even remember. Christ. They didn't really say it that many times, did they? They, they said it quite a few times. But basically, oh, right. yeah, Enid was responsible for, for, for rating a film that came out that, that someone then watched and the press is kind of, and again, this is a whole world that frustrated me and, and, and there's been a real life thing where, where then the, you know, the powers that be are blaming the film and then they're blaming the censors for not banning this movie and letting it out um it might actually be that the film was called deranged yeah i think you're right yeah yeah and and in my mind i'm thinking that they're just it's kind of brain damage sounds like the movie that they were going for (laughs) with that one um but yeah and and so she kind of is being blamed for not putting this movie for, for letting this movie slip through and not kind of censoring it and um starts to kind of have a bit of a breakdown with that and stresses of her job and then she's given a film to review or not to review sorry to censor and um sees a character in it that she believes is her sister all grown up 
um and she starts to kind of try to solve her sister's mystery in this kind of mystery film that she's been given to view Mm. um i guess that's kind of it i don't you know it starts to go more places than that i think this movie is quite a quite a slow burn really um in relation to kind of what it's centered around kind of when we talk about her kind of censoring these video nasties and that we get to see her watch quite a lot of stuff but we don't really get to see too much of it ourselves do we so like i was expecting this movie to be quite hardcore and I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to show us for these films. But in, but that would have been a really difficult task. And instead of doing that, they decide not to. So a lot of this movie is centered around Enid and kind of her watching these films and us just watching her watching these films mm. <laughs> in the first half. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, like uh, a notable kind of character, which I think he, he doesn't, he's not too involved in this. And it's a shame is, is Michael Smiley. Yeah. Who, who, um, was oh god what the hell was the elijah wood movie now um, uh, come to daddy come to daddy like he was bloody fantastic in that movie mm. and kind of um he's such an amazing british actor he really is and like he's one that we don't see too often and like it's got to the point now like the second i saw he was in this i was like hell yeah and <laughs> yeah i feel like he was underutilized yeah um, i agree in this movie but but i still enjoyed seeing him um i just i absolutely loved him in come to daddy and i and, and i want more of him like that um and we got we got glimpses of it in this but it but yeah i, I wish we'd had more yeah the um, first scene when we're introduced to him kind of like in the <laughs> yeah. office he's just so brilliant he, he's one of these people that really oozes charisma on screen and like you say mm. because he's not one of the central characters it is a little frustrating because you have this guy that just oozes personality and i feel like this is a very like you said, slow movie, and it's a very kind of downbeat movie. You know, mm. Enid is a very quiet, lonely person who is kind of suffering with her past, as well as what's going on in the present with the censorship stuff. And mm. so I think he is a great catalyst to that because he's so high energy. Um, and yeah, I desperately. And yeah and i and I desperately needed that in the film and so then when he was on screen i was loving it but yeah i agree with you that he's like he needed to be on screen way way more because he's just so fantastic yeah definitely um but yeah i mean I, i'll go into my kind of thoughts on this mm. one i think um it's a strange one because i think the movie is a real slow burn and i never really connected with enid um which i think is my biggest kind of problem with with this movie is that this is very much through her lens and I just never really liked her and, and, and got, you know, invested with her. I think kind of the, the tragic event of her sister's disappearance, we don't really ever get to see. And so I, because we don't get to see that moment that has caused her so much pain, she's just a bit of a depressing character that I, that when we get people like Michael Smiley pop up, I, I want I want to see them more than Enid, even her co-workers and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. Like I, and, and I just, she was just so kind of, yeah, just in her own shell because of what happened. I, I, I never truly connected to her. Um, I think as well, like, uh, but, but the, the whole kind of censorship stuff and being in the office, I enjoyed seeing that world and kind of parts of that. And I got snippets of enjoyment from that. And when I got into the final act, like I, when the movie ended, I thought it was it was really clever. I think the story was really clever. I, I quite enjoyed 
where it went and the questions that it asked me and those few the, the kind of last 10 minutes were uh it'll be difficult to go into and i think we might have to go spoiler to talk about it a bit but i really enjoyed what they did there and kind of that mind fuckery about what what are you actually seeing versus kind of what is going on in the head and i think kind of um saint maud had a much better way of kind of doing that without visually showing you the stuff whereas this was much more of a visual representation but i still enjoyed it and i yeah and when the movie ended it did make me think about it a bit more and i've definitely watched a lot more films this year that i've enjoyed more Mm. that i've then thought nothing about whereas i this movie did make me ponder and think about it a little bit more but I didn't, I'd still say it was more missed than hit. You know, I, I probably sounded reasonably positive talking about it there, but, but it, it did lull and it wasn't, you know, there's not a lot there to grip onto unless you are super interested in this very specific thing that happened in the eighties in England. You know, if she was just, uh, I don't know, working at a record company and this artist kind of released a new song and she was like oh that sounds like my sisters have gone missing Mm. like i think i would have probably not been interested in this movie at all but because i was quite interested in the world where she was it kept me going um so yeah it's a strange one um ultimately i think the the vision and and the idea was better than the execution for sure Mm. Yeah, I I pretty much agree. Like, I think this is a totally decent film, um, but at no point did it ever excite me, did it ever wow me. Um, I think it's, like, almost consistently a 6 out of 10 throughout, where it's just like, this is good. Like, this is all, almost, you know, good. Like, it's, it's, it is interesting. I think, like you say, the setting is the most interesting part of it. Um, but they kind of Enid is, I completely agree with you. I just never felt attached to her. And I ultimately didn't really care what yeah. her journey was. Um, because like you say, it's, it's two main things. It's the censorship stuff. And then the way that ties into this kind of search for this long lost sister. And ultimately I just wasn't invested where you need to be invested for this to work. Um, and I do think like, it's i don't want to be reductionist because it's so easy to do this with like films in general but we have seen so many movies in particular over the last two to three years which follow this blueprint of a single singular female character who who has suffered from a traumatic past Mm -hmm. and that like almost i mean i and again that i know that's very vague and very broad so that's why i'm not being too critical but that is like we've seen that done so well like midsummer is exceptional saint maud is exceptional even the nighthouse just a couple of weeks ago did this way better um and kind of like i was so invested in all of those characters journeys and them trying to overcome this incident from the past whereas her whole thing with her sister i think it's because of the fact that it happened so long ago um because it is time frames are a weird thing with this movie and i get that like this is always an issue of like well that's just when the movie takes place is this time frame so you kind of just have to accept it but it is kind of like has she really just been depressed well, about think, her about her sister going missing since it happened because yeah. it happened like what 10 15 years ago i think i think that's the thing like the, the the movies that you've just mentioned like midsummer and nighthouse like those traumatic events have literally just happened to our main mm. character when we joined them so they had a life you know that they, they've they've 
they've got husbands, boyfriends, jobs, you know, whatever, like, and they've got a world and, and people around them and friends. Whereas, whereas with Enid, it really, yeah, it just feels like she's been depressed since childhood. She has no friends and her family hates her. Mm. So I'm like, halfway through the movie, I just kind of thought to myself, if she finds her sister, is she then just going to kill herself happy that she's found her sister? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what what, what life has she got to salvage when she's got it? She's got nothing to cling on to. Like, I was like, you should probably just, like, make a go of things with Michael Smiley. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he, he might give you a laugh, you know, and some drinks. Um, yeah, it is it is true because i think we say this a lot with these types of movies is like i you need some sort of glimmer of hope mm. and something to cling on to and i think something like a if there was like a secondary character like like and there is some good ones but like for instance if one of her co-workers was just like a really friendly person mm. who she got along with and you saw them go out and have drinks together and you at least see a little bit of well, her having a life it's very similar to Nighthouse. Mm, exactly um, yeah that was one where, of the best scenes that actually adds humanity yeah, to that character is when and, she goes and it out made of the realize that like there are things to salvage and there's a life outside this whereas mm. whereas yeah enid's not got any of that no this just felt like her her entire life literally revolves around my sister is missing and then as well as oh here's the censorship stuff which clearly mm. is going to tie into the sister stuff um so yeah, it was like you say it's it's a difficult movie because I do think it's it's good. Um mm. but I think considering um obviously we've seen some massive movies this year. I think the last 3 months have been really awesome. We've seen so many great movies. Mm. Um and I would definitely put this in the disappointment pile just because of like I'd seen very good buzz for this and again I know you can't go off that too much because it just it ranges all over the shop especially this year when I, the reactions I I saw specifically to two of my most hated movies of the year um in Honeydew and uh, Hunter Hunter which like are probably my two least favorite movies we've covered this entire year and they both had huge support on the internet this isn't that at all like i don't mm. hate this movie in the slightest i think this is a pretty good film i think most people if you sit down and watch it would have a good time with it you know it doesn't overstay its welcome this is like a lean this is like under 80 minutes yeah. um which i'm really thankful for you know it doesn't like drag on or anything like that it kind of it is a slow burn because what you've described is and what we've been talking about is the movie mm. it's that there isn't some like major plot um subplot that kind of goes anywhere there isn't like some third act revelation that then changes the next 20 minutes of the movie it is just that it's the censorship stuff and how does that tie into her her missing sister um the ending i thought was good i i thought it was a little bit over the top um with what they were going for i i would have liked it to have been a bit more stripped back i think they 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 really were, I think, a bit too cautious about will the audience get what we're going for here. And so they kept they kept rubbing it in like, no, no, this is what we're going for. This is what we're going for. And again, mm. I know we, we keep making those comparisons, but St. Maud did it perfectly. Um, and they didn't hold your hand and they respected the audience that they would understand what, what the ending meant. Um, and I think mm. this movie kind of like it could have had a bit more of a bolder take. Whereas ultimately it was just like, no, we, we, we're trying to portray this certain ending, but we're very worried that it's a bit too ambiguous because the rest of the movie yeah. is very grounded, isn't I, it? I know what you mean, because I think um, just two weeks ago, I think Nighthouse is one that um, like we spoke about it and we took our take on things and kind of um, we didn't we didn't actually kind of reference it on the show. But like Sean did write in with an interesting approach on that, a very different mm. take on that movie to us. 
And I don't disagree with that take. And I found that really interesting. I was like, oh, no, like I could easily see that that is what happened. And the film was clever enough to leave both options. I think I think our discussion was was correct and valid for our interpretation. But I don't think his was wrong either. Like that interpretation was also valid. And that is a that is an extremely clever movie to be able to have both sides of it where I don't think it's either are wrong. Whereas with this one it's very clear what happens if you think that this is something else you you you're wrong because yeah. this, this the movie is, this wants is to make clear. sure you yeah. don't have any sort yeah. of questions <laughs> yeah you know well, i won't go into nighthouse because it's spoiler territory but yeah like like that is very open to interpretation but yeah with this it's not and so yeah i think um but i, d- I didn't necessarily have a problem with that I, I i i did at least enjoy that they because they lent into it they lent into it hard Mm. um and 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 i i did enjoy some of the visuals one thing so uh, obviously that we can kind of we'll, we'll circle back around but i think an interesting part of this movie which ultimately i think is again it's similarish to to michael smiley's presence where it's mm. dropped in there and i wish this was more of an issue in the movie but ultimately it isn't is the whole like you touched upon the subplot of enid has let this movie be released um a real life crime happens and Mm. then that person seemingly blames the movie and so then you have that you know age-old thing that we see time and time again of like this movie made this person do this thing um Mm. and 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 then she's obviously like personally hounded for that um what what is your take i guess first overall because i have some very strong thoughts on this on the the general idea of you know we see it time and time again in the real world not just in this movie and like when the media tries to blame film tv video games on these crimes what what do you have any thoughts or feelings on that overall uh, it's, it's a real loaded question mm. um i mean i can start I think, if you want well no i think with this movie in particular i think it was um with the with the with the you know with the censorship and everything else and the period it's in, I think it was right to have that yeah. in there. Um, yeah, I do as well. I think um, I wish it was a bigger part of the movie. Just talking specifically about this movie first and foremost, I wish mm. we'd have actually kind of because they talk about this person being called the amnesia killer. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be the case if this person did one crime. Like I was like, mm. I, I initially was a little bit confused by that, where I was like. Are we actually talking a serial killer here? Or is this just one person that committed one crime and they're calling them the amnesia killer, which ultimately that's what it is. And I found that a bit bizarre because I would have actually liked this subplot of this killer that was going around and maybe even just like uh, a la kind of Zodiac, like publicly blaming the movies and kind of doing that side of things or something like that and kind of and if it was always the movies that that enid personally kind of let go as well would be interesting yeah and kind of having a bit more of that and i think i would have enjoyed that movie more than what we got with enid with chasing her sister Mm. um and and yeah definitely so i think kind of um i have a very strong opinion on um blaming video games and movies for violence um in in general and i think kind of when it's in movies i think i want it to be treated right and i do think that this one mostly does that and i wish it was a bit more strong-handed in how it did it because ultimately the the amnesia killer leads to nothing in this movie Mm. um and i don't think that's really a spoiler because it's not it's not 
a big plot of this movie. We've made it out to be more than what it is. It's mainly secondhand conversations that people have, and it kind of is a bit of a catalyst for Enid. But she would have discovered this movie with her sister or what she thinks is her sister in and gone down that path maybe anyway. And I think kind of obviously seeing this particular movie with the um, pressure of this amnesia killer is probably what caused her to have her episode or her break or whatever you want to call it. But I think that would have probably happened anyway. And I, in, um, but there was a moment where they kind of throw it away and they're like, Oh, you know, it turns out they, they, the movies weren't to blame. And I think they, they, it would have been good if it had lent into that a bit more, because I think sometimes when movies, horror movies kind of talk about those real life things, they then don't go hard on the fact that it's not the movie's fault. Like people need to be responsible for what they do and, and not blame movies and things that they see for then the actions that they take. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, but yeah, it is a, it is a loaded question. Yeah, it's always very much frustrated me, um, not specifically talking about this movie, because like I say, I think mm. with the time period and the way it's handled, and also it, it is from the perspective of the media is blaming it, and I think that's ultimately where I stand with it, always that I, mm. I'm not naive enough to say that it could never not be a contributing factor to yeah. someone committing something heinous, but the very idea that it is a singular motive or reason is ridiculous, and I don't think any intelligent person would disagree with that i think you you would never see psychologists or lawyers ever argue that it is the singular reason why someone commits a heinous act i think it well, can lawyers be... would but they probably well, wouldn't yeah, yeah. believe it <laughs> no yeah good point um but uh, of course the defense lawyers um but uh yeah like it could have co- it could of course be one of many dominoes um mm. in life that cause these things but i the way i see it is that people always want it more eloquently than we ever could you know um it's what Stu says that oh we're not even no scary movie isn't it shit it's scary movie isn't it where they literally say that the um movies don't you know make killers they make Mm. killers more creative you know i think that 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 that's actually scary movie isn't it (laughs) well i was just gonna say that they're not you know you're not um it could be a contributing factor, but someone has to have that seed in them ultimately to begin with. Mm. And I think kind of movies that, that, um, you know, don't fully explain that do, do the genre a, a disservice because there are people that have been strongly voicing that movies, you know, horror movies, video games should be heavily more censored and not put out there because it, it it's causing the problems. And, and I think kind of, when it's touched upon by the uh, media that's created that, that that that's having the finger poked at it, it needs to kind of strongly put its stake in the ground. We had one recently that kind of did it, and I kind of I can't remember what it was now exactly, but it was a similar sort of thing where it's like you've got to put that stake in the ground to say like ultimately, yes, we're showing stuff, but but we're not responsible for someone else's actions. Yeah, and I think that's why this this whole thing can be very frustrating in in today's world in 2021 because I think mm. these are very antiquated systems and I think it's I'm so on board with guidelines and yeah. kind of telling people what they can expect in certain things, but that mm. is so different to censorship and it's weird that they are in the same category when you're talking about either the BBFC um you know or in America where it's like they are 
you know in particular in america with the whole r rating thing where it's like we don't fully understand that over here because the movies that are rated r you know for example don't breathe was the perfect thing recently both don't breathe movies are rated r in the uk one was a 15 and one was an 18 um and that's it and it doesn't really make much of a difference whereas in the states if your movie doesn't get an r it's fucking dead because none of the movies will take it if it gets an x rating um and to me that is mental that like these movies are still getting cuts um to hit an r rating where it's like you know financial reasons the movie will just die and so it is crazy that you get so many movies i think possessor is a good one recently of like Mm. it got all of these cuts and it got an r rated and you're seeing a fairly heavily edited movie um version of the movie that isn't the director's proper vision Mm. and you really have to wait until it comes out on blu-ray and thankfully we're in that position now where you can just watch it but it is weird that it's like unrated cuts seem to just go under the radar when it comes to blu-rays but when it comes to cinema you you can still you you can't just release your your movie that you want in the cinema i think more more onus should actually be on the cinemas themselves Mm. um because the world that i would quite like is where a filmmaker can make their film and the cinema house should take that film and decide whether they want to show it or not and not because because i think this movie did actually make a good point on like enid is getting blamed for this movie being released and this movie kind of not being censored i don't necessarily think that's fair on her like her no, interpretation it's not fair in the slightest. <laughs> like her interpretation and her view on that film was then ultimately what got it the rating that then people might have a different agreement on. I think the cinema houses should take more ownership of it. Something like Possessor. If Possessor is unedited and the Odeon decide not to show it and you do in the UK, like that's their decision to make. And then us as film goers will seek out the movies we want to see as well. Like, you know, and I think, I think more ownership should be placed on the people film showing the films and the people going to see the films. You know, oh, yeah. if, if, um, you know, like when we saw Midsummer, um, I think a lot of people in that in that cinema were not expecting what they saw that day. Mm. And and a lot of them probably took a while to recover from that. Um, is that anyone's fault other than the individual that went into that film that just saw a poster with Florence Pugh on and thought that was going to be a nice little flowery piece? <laughs> you know, that's their fault. Um, yeah. Ultimately, like, well, that's, and again, and that's what the advertising and the misadvertising yeah. and all of that stuff, which which would be a factor. But yeah, I don't think we should just give the uh, BBFC and and the 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 US equivalent kind of the the blame or, or also the power to do that. I think I think it should be way more widespread these days. Well, yeah, and I think that goes back to kind of the overall point is that these are Mm. clearly antiquated systems Mm. um, that have been grandfathered in. um, And so we are just still adhering to them because, like you say, the onus would make a lot more sense to be on the cinemas, but they're too lazy. They're not going to start reviewing and rating these movies. And when I say review, I mean review them and then put a a guideline or a restriction on them. uh, Yeah. Like, they're not going to do that because the systems are already in play. They're like, no, you go to the BBFC or the MPAA, they give you the rating, then the movie's ready to distribute. It's just easy that way. But is it right? No, it's not perfect. It needs to be reformed. All of this stuff does. Um, Because the idea of just not having a category, this is my biggest issue with it. Guidelines is great and all that stuff. Just have a category that is adult only, but mean that. And I get that that's kind of, it does exist. Rated R doesn't mean that. No, no, because that's what, yeah, 
like and and x is that equivalent of like i think it did used to be called ao like adults only yeah. but it's like that you know if the distributors aren't going to hold your movie then you're never going to get that rate in so you need to just let adults see whatever they want and again this is my issue with protecting children from these movies is important um i don't want children seeing these movies that we watch um mm -hmm. just like they shouldn't be playing violent video games but they do and i think that is another issue in in of itself um but i think you need to let adults yeah. choose what they do with their That's time the especially they when they're shouldn't... watching entertainment it's so yeah. ridiculous to me that i can't just watch the fully unrated uncensored version of any movie that comes out without without jumping through any you know holes whereas yeah. sometimes you will have to we will see a movie that is clearly gimped at the cinema and then we'll be like ah oh, hopefully we'll get that unrated cut and as as we keep discussing all of these directors who seemingly get blacklisted like rob zombie and obviously wes and so many horror directors just get this bad reputation with the mpaa um mm. in particular and it's just it's bullshit like it's it needs to stop yeah. um and they need to grow with the rest of the industry at this point. Um, well, yeah, and you look at, like like you say, I think that was something that I wanted to touch on upon, that, like, you know, Wes had his run-ins specifically not just not just in America, but, but with the BBFC and kind of, you know, his name was almost like an automatic video nasty mm. at one point. And, and, like, that's so unfair. And, like, you know, they, they hold the, the, the keys to the kingdom. And I don't think that's that's fair or right and um you know we, we've long stopped talking about this movie which i guess just probably starts to show what what weight this movie has in our minds but but it really does kind of bring home a bit that i think we both feel quite passionately about and it, and it is a shame that you can't like you say have more onus that, that yeah people that shouldn't be seeing these movies shouldn't be seeing these movies completely agree with you you know children shouldn't see these movies play those types of games but the owner should be on parents and, and 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 guidelines not just saying well if one person sees this that shouldn't it shouldn't exist no it should mm. exist it's just that people need to take ownership of it you know and and um it shouldn't just be watered down and censored it should be have guidelines in place and have barriers of to entry you know i have i have parent controls on my tv you know, and age restrictions and stuff like that. So that the, the shit that, that I watch for this show doesn't get watched by everyone else that has, has access to the TV, mm. you know, and, and that's what you need to do. Um, yeah, you know, it's so weird, the idea of like, oh, okay, in case a child might see this one, it has to be censored because yeah. like, that's not even what they're saying. They're saying mm. that, you know, to get this certain rating, um, it has to be censored. And that's just so bizarre where they have a, you know, to bring it back to the movie, you see Enid watching the movies, making notes of certain cuts to get mm. a rating. And that's that almost that turned my stomach seeing that mm. because I'm like, oh, I get that that's what the reality is. But seeing it, I'm like, you're the fucking editor of the movie at this point. And like, I, you're I, I you're enjoy... a creative part of this movie, yeah. isn't she? Because she's ultimately choosing what happens part. in the movie. That's a part of that movie because because um, I thought they actually did that very well in this movie where they talk about like two very violent scenes and they're like, well, why did you edit one and not the other? And she was kind of like, well, it was a bit like a a uh, yellow card in football almost totting up process where it's like mm -hmm. well i'd let you have two or three but i couldn't let you have four or five so i just chose those two because you know they were the two later ones and i was like yeah that's literally it like you've suddenly you know you've had this movie that's had this entire creative process and then someone just comes along and goes yeah 
I only think you can really have blood like four times in a movie. So I'm going to say <laughs> those four are good and those three aren't. Like that's preposterous, mm. and it still exists. Yeah, that, like I say, yeah, they are basically a co-editor of the movie at that point, yeah. which I just find laughable. But I did, coming back to the movie, I did enjoy, again, like that world of it and, and seeing that side of it because I thought they did all of that quite well and quite mm. felt genuine. Um, and, and almost like how they were sat in the room making their notes and kind of doing it like not overly professionally where they were just like, yeah, screw it, like, that will do. And, like, yeah, like, they're, you know, they're fucking with people's creations and, and people's body of art, you know. Let's not, you know, downplay it. You know, that's how I feel. That's what it is. Mm. And and, and they've just come along and said, yeah, we, we just think, you know, in order for it to get shown in our cinemas that they don't own, uh, these are the cuts that need to be made because we say so. You know, and like like we said, when we've kind of looked at um, filmmakers in the past, Wes in particular, like when he's voiced an opinion back up them, they've just said, nah, sorry. <laughs> and like he can do nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. so ridiculous as well because it's not even a legal obligation. There's no like government guidelines in terms of this stuff. It is no. purely a recommendation which has then become the law. Yeah, and I don't know. It's also a really weird thing. I would like to see the journey of that, like, mm. um, because I'm not overly familiar with it in, in in the States or UK, like how this became pretty much law. Because, yeah, like I remember even when I was maybe, a, you know, not quite kind of 15 or whatever, that, that it, it was pretty much still like guidelines. Mm. And cinemas could just say, yeah, that's cool. Like to let, cause it, cause it was just like, well, it's rated 15 as a guidance. Mm. Um, and you know, it's pretty much just become firm now these days, hasn't it? But even then, like, I wonder if you were to challenge it, like what would you, you know, what response would you get to that? It's, it's such a strange one because it is treated like law, you know, like a, a movie that's rated 15 is treated the same as like buying alcohol. Mm you know um, exactly and it has just become one of those things because it's this antiquated system because we're all used to it yeah. and this is this is one of those well, things that if you if if there wasn't film censorship and mm. film as we know it existed up until this point and then they tried to bring this in now worldwide where they mm. were like you know and they said all the stuff that happened it would be laughed out of every room ever it's people so would be strange. like what are you talking about that you as a third party independent are allowed to tell me what to put in my film that is so ridiculous but again, like if you think about video games, when we were young, we walked into video game shops and brought like Grand Theft Autos and yeah. stuff and walked away with them. Like a 10 year old can't do that now. Like, well, I don't yeah. know because they still get it. And it's like, well, you know, I get yeah, that they, other people are buying them, but yeah, but that's what I mean. Like back in the day, we didn't even need to have people buy them for mm. us. Like that, it was just more like a guidance because video games were more fledgling people weren't as strict on it and didn't kind of take it. And like, I, I like, I remember the first time that like it was ever challenged about buying a game. I was like, mm. what? Like the, there's an actual like proper rating on this because it's nothing <laughs> on the box. And like, I remember being like so confused by it. And then like, it's, it has gotten stricter and stricter, but, but it's still kind of that world where, yeah, like I'm sure there are 12 year olds going in the shop and buying Grand Theft Auto, but there are also kind of, you know shops that are refusing that and then mm. ultimately the adult is buying it but it's a weird one where you know rule versus kind of or, or law le you know proper legal law versus kind of herd mentality of just following the norm has kind mm. of kicked in 
definitely well and especially like say with cinemas where they mm. should have the power to just be like well what if we just have a big like the whole idea of like even massive major movies like take marvel for instance they like a marvel movie is not going to have some sort of mental shit in it like the new <laughs> spider-man movie isn't just going to have an extended rape scene in it mm. so like what's the point of even getting a rating at this point why can't they just throw that in cinemas and the cinemas just yeah. show it do you know what i mean it's like what why even go through that step of letting someone sit down and give a marvel movie a rating it just even that again is extremely yeah, antiquated it's and just so pointless crazy. yeah it just it doesn't serve any purpose these things this is a really strong issue for me and it's always bothered me um so i'm glad we can talk about it now but um yeah i guess to kind of sum up our thoughts on the movie because we're kind oh, of yeah. done talking about it for a while um but i'd much rather talk about censorship in general um yeah i guess recommendations is a difficult one because like i say for me this was okay from start to finish i didn't hate it um i'd never rewatch it i think everything is passable um but it's so similar to so many great things um and even just two weeks ago with the night house which like i'm pretty sure i said not to i didn't recommend it um which i really i I do kind of regret because that is a consistently great movie just with an ending that i didn't like um whereas a little bit harsh if i'm being honest because like i I genuinely (laughs) do think it's like an eight out of ten pretty much until Mm. like the last 10 minutes and Mm. so like that should be a recommendation so i do i do take that back whereas this is a more difficult one where it's like the ending's not bad, but it's it's consistently not as good as a lot of movies we've mm. seen. So so for that reason, maybe if it's on Shudder or Netflix at some point and you're intrigued by the time period and censorship like we are, give it a go. Other than that, I couldn't really recommend it for any other reason. Yeah, I think we haven't really spoken and I haven't looked much about the actual director and kind of makers of this because I think the actual... Um, I think it's a debut uh, film. I think it is, yeah. Mm. And I think actually for a debut film, mm. I would be interested um, to kind of, um, because it's a, it's a female writer and director, right? De- mm. Debut film, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think this is a, it, it is a pretty strong sh- script. It was, you know, pretty well directed and well executed. It just... You know, it, it lacked in quite, a, you know, it lacked in areas, but I would like to see what they do next because I think there there is talent there. Mm. But ultimately, this does feel like, a, you know, first first movie and, and I, I can't really recommend it. I think e- even with the censorship stuff, I think we are so deep into that and, and kind of probably grabbed more out of this movie than we really should have. Um, and so I think probably, you know, it... it it's not one that I would super recommend, but it, even with the censorship stuff out, when we got to the final act stuff, it did. I did walk away thinking about this movie a bit more than some. Mm. So it, it really, it, it's right on the edge for me. I think, but I think I'm going to say not to recommend it. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought up the you know the fact that this is a debut because yeah, it is worth stating that like this is mm. a good film for a first movie and mm. and again it's it's funny again how many parallels there are with Saint Maud where again that was a first time mm. uh, British female director writing and directing and it's it's it is just funny how many um parallels there are which I think. Mm ultimately if that movie didn't exist maybe we'd be more kind to this one Um, but because it has so many parallels to one of our favorite movies we've ever covered it it does 
it doesn't obviously hold up to that sort of standard. Mm. But yeah, it's a, it's. I would like I would like to see this movie do well, um, and people check it out. Even though, yeah, it's not one that's really going to stay with me. I don't think. Um, and especially no. with how many great films I've already seen this year, this is already this is like a middle of the pack movie. There's like I could easily name you ten movies that I found way worse than this this year. Yeah, for sure. But I could also easily name you fifteen that I liked more. Um, mm-hmm. So that's ultimately where it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was our discussion on Sensor. I will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, that is pretty much it for this week. Um, I did watch another movie um, that I wanted to briefly touch upon because um, I did talk about this one a few weeks ago that I wanted to rewatch it. Uh, a movie that we covered all the way back, uh, episode forty-seven for the podcast. Nice. Um, in twenty seventeen, yeah. which was an incredible year. Mm. Um, any any guesses? <laughs> well, you've already said to me. <laughs> oh, did i say what it was yeah, in conversation to me so i know what you've seen <laughs> oh yeah i did yeah i forgot <laughs> you could you could have looked really smart there um, i was going to but i decided it would have been just too much of a pull because i would not have guessed <laughs> <laughs> like, is it um that french movie oh, raw by chance yeah, yeah, so obviously I, I'd mentioned it a few weeks ago, kind of in light of the director's um, follow-up movie, Titan, hopefully coming out this year, mm. um, and being very excited for it, that I've wanted to rewatch this because, yeah, we we saw this in the cinema. Yeah, um, which is wild. Yeah, crazy, crazy that we got to see this back then. Um, have you rewatched this one at all? No, um, I don't think so, because I think it had quite a nice Blu-ray that came out, and I, and I was... And, uh, quite a few times I almost kind of pulled the trigger on it but the i think the price never really dropped on it and i was like <laughs> oh, i'm gonna this was one that i expected to get very cheap very quick but then it became fairly boutique mm. um and so i just never really picked it up um and because it's been on streaming platforms and stuff as well hasn't it yeah it was um, on because, netflix and it's not anymore <laughs> because there, there's been two movies that i've really wanted to rewatch and never have and it's this and autopsy of jane doe Oh, the yeah. two that i've been like oh they were really fun and like they've stayed in my mind even though they probably weren't that prevalent in like year ends or discussions mm. at the time but they've really stuck with me um and, and yeah but i never have yeah i yeah i picked up the blu-ray and it's all it's fine it, there isn't any extras or anything but it is mm. an all right blu-ray and um yeah it, this was one that like didn't make our top 10 for the year i think it was literally like 11 or 12 yeah um with with 2017 being such a standout year um but yeah i was i was excited to rewatch this and i i found it to be a cool movie um it didn't massively change my opinion on it. I think the the strong parts of this movie are the same, which is just how unbelievably unsettling this movie is. Yeah. Um, because we talk about it a lot, the kind of scary thing, and or, or we or we say we don't talk about it because ultimately these movies just don't really scare us. But I think when a movie can just completely creep you out and make you feel so unsettled when you're watching it, and this is one of the most unsettling movies I've ever seen, where there is like four or five different scenes that make my skin crawl, that make my yeah. neck go tight into my shoulders. I'm just like, oh, just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and they do such a good job with that throughout the movie of making me feel uncomfortable while I'm watching watching it so like i give this movie massive credit for that um i think it's still 
batshit at times like i remember when we first watched it and we were like why is this veterinarian school so wild (laughs) that they're just out and partying and then they're like doing their exams while they're still covered in blood blood all over each other yeah like it it needed to be like it's it's a 15 and and like it like most movies it's like oh when they dial it up to 11 that's pretty crazy and this movie is like sits at a 15 most of the runtime and i think that's it's part of its charm but it's also so intense isn't it yeah but but it is really cool i I did like it i definitely think the the ending falls off a cliff like the last 10 or 15 minutes i think they just had no idea how to end it where (laughs) i think kind of like her journey of of going through the whole you know meat lust that she's getting and kind of like that the way that develops in her relationship with her sister i think is awesome but then once they get to that breaking point and everything's kind of been revealed the movie's just like well how do we end the movie at this point yeah i can't remember the last 10 minutes of that movie no there's just one mental scene and then the movie just kind of abruptly ends with no real ending um so yeah it's i don't suddenly have a different opinion on it i i think what we the way we rated it i stand by i think a push it would have maybe got in the top 10 at like nine or ten but yeah. like we didn't you know this isn't some huge omission i really yeah, this like isn't this movie film. of the year that we missed no i i really like the film i think it like you say considering talking about censor as well i think this is a great debut um it's you know we are so blessed that we have seen so many debut movies that are like mm. 10 out of 10s and that is so unheard of like i think look at robert eggers like i i know that a lot of people love the witch but i don't like the witch and i've tried to rewatch it and i just don't like that movie and then he releases one of my favorite movies of all time as the follow-up um and i do think that raw there is so much talent here and that's why i'm so excited for this director's follow-up because i think yeah this is rough around the edges and hopefully she keeps some of that because you need it with how gritty and dark this movie is but i hope it's a bit more focused with the story the next movie um but i would still yeah this is a movie like i would definitely recommend it to everyone if you've not seen it purely because of how unsettling it it is of like someone who i'm not really taken aback by gore or violence or anything like that but there's even small things when she has this rash and she's like itching her skin and just the way it looks and sounds is so off-putting it really Mm. this movie just makes my skin crawl um in a way that really few do um so i have to give it credit for that so yeah it was a fun i'm glad i rewatched it finally um yeah there are very few movies that actually make you feel that way Uh, you know possessor was one this year Mm. oh yeah i'm I'm gonna already rewatch that before (laughs) the end of year yeah (laughs) But there are very few that really do make you feel that way, um, mm. which is which is good. I don't want to feel that way every week. <laughs> no, no. I remember when we watched Possessor, and I'm glad you mentioned that. We've already mentioned it a couple of times, but like that is one of my favorite movies of the year. But at the time, I couldn't. I don't think I could fully grasp how great it was because of how mm. uncomfortable it made me feel. Mm. And I feel like I don't our know discussion... whether I'll ever be able to. Yeah, like I feel like our discussion reflected that, where we were kind mm. of like, "This is awesome," but also don't really watch it. It's so gross. Um, <laughs> and but I am, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to sit down and rewatch it for yeah. year end because it's one of my favorites. But it's really hard for me to place it right now because of how I, I, I disgusting want, I want it is. Board to come along and. Uh... <laughs> give me a 12 give me a possessor 12 no no i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna play into this joke i'm still angry angry. um but yeah so that was that was fun um i guess before we finish the show do do we want to tell a little story about kind of our adventure at the cinema this past week because it was it was utterly ridiculous 
I mean, we can do. <laughs> it's just funny, just as a quick yeah. anecdote to end the show, because, yeah, we did go to the cinema this week, um, we obviously not for the show, to obviously check out the latest Marvel movie, as we do, because mm-hmm. we're addicted. And, yeah, something happened which has never happened before. I was going to which... say, we've been to the cinema hundreds of times. Literally hundreds been... at the same cinema. And I was going to say, we've been to this specific cinema hundreds of times, and, and yeah, we had a first. <laughs> yeah, which is unlike it. But yeah, like so. Yeah, we were getting towards the end of the movie. Um, I've looked it up, and we had under ten minutes left of this long movie, Marvel movie. You know, over mm-hmm. an hour and forty-five in, um, and we just get a black screen followed by a very quiet sounding fire alarm, um, yeah. and then and then what was it like an automated voice that um, was basically telling us to leave? Yeah, told us to get get the hell out of there. Um, hmm which uh was interesting in itself and then and then kind of when we all started to pile out the fact that like i mean like again we've been to the cinema hundreds of times i've seen the fire exits i've never really thought about them or where they (laughs) lead to and and then like to get just chucked out of the cinema and be chucked into this different part of the the kind of facility that we've never been to before just this back area not knowing what the hell was going on and, and not knowing whether our cinema was burning down <laughs> was was definitely a, a, an unsettling experience. Yeah, this was like a busy screen as well. Like we are mm. used to seeing horror movies where there's maybe two or three other people in the entire yeah, there were, screen. There were, you know, uh, triple figures people coming out of this coming out mm. of this fire exit. Yeah, and this was like a Friday night. It was very busy. And yeah, I mean, long story short, basically the movie never restarted. No one uh, Odeon had a fucking clue what was going on. Mm. Um, and ultimately yeah. we just left with free vouchers, which don't do us much because we're Limitless members. And uh, so we have both not seen the end of Shang-Chi at this point, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it needs to be said there was no fire. <laughs> no, it was it seemingly was, a power cut. An electrical fault, yeah. Mm. But, but yeah, we, we, we got back into the screen we had 40 minutes of looking at a blank screen until we got <laughs> up because we wasn't told by a by a no empl- an odian employee we had to go find someone and they're like yeah you could just funnel into another screen that is working only two of them are mm. and they're about half an hour into the movie so you can yeah. just watch you know stay there till about 2 a.m and and <laughs> get to see your last 10 minutes or there's a voucher that you didn't pay for this one because you're limitless so yeah mm. it was um it was a rough experience to say the least and especially kind of um you know when we got out of it and we're, we're driving home we said that you know imagine if that had happened to us when we saw Candyman. oh my god you know, a movie that because you know we get i mean imagine if it was Endgame. Mm. you know we we get excited for marvel movies no disrespect to 10 rings what i saw of it was was quite enjoyable but it's you know, it was not a movie I was massively excited for and had buzz for and, and delays and wait for. But yeah, if if we'd have got 10 minutes before the end of Candyman and it was all kicking off and then black screen <laughs> and we didn't get to see the end in, like it would have screwed us for the podcast and it would have screwed with my mind as well. Mm. Like, um, you know, superhero movies, I'd imagine the good guys triumph and everything's all right in the end. Mm. like you know and and but yeah it would have been it would have been just awful if that happened (laughs) yeah it was the most frustrating and unsatisfying cinema experience of my life and Mm. uh, yeah the only saving grace is that 
there is eight other movies that I've seen this year at the cinema, and I'm really glad it was this one. Again, no dig at this movie, and I agree with you. I was having fun. It was this movie was better than expected. Um, yeah. But this and Eternals, you know, in terms of the overall Marvel, um, you know, upcoming stuff was always the same. I don't watch trailers anymore for Marvel movies. Period. And so I don't know anything about Shang Chi or the Eternals. I was just watching it because it's a Marvel Studios film. Um, and ultimately, I was like, yeah, this is good. It's for me that it was like bottom of the good tier like it wasn't yeah. bad tier um you know there's bad marvel movies and this is not it but this is this is like the bottom scale of what's possible as good i was like this is yeah. like not as good as ant-man but better than captain marvel like it's it's you know it's in that range um so yeah i was i was yeah. enjoying the in particular what i will say the best thing about it was the two lead characters i thought were fantastic um shang and uh katie i think her name was um yeah. they were both really enjoyable and i really hope we see more of them going forward but yeah the overall legend and the story uh just yeah it was fine like I i'm cool i'm glad that i know that going forward i would never re-watch this film um but it was fine but yeah and yeah so well, i guess at some point i want to see the ending <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I, like, I don't want to sit through the first hour and 45 again <laughs> no um but yeah that was an experience yeah, I thought it's worth noting just because of how bloody unique it is and just how ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, has, like... has anyone else listening been uh, kicked out of the cinema before? <laughs> you know, an hour and a half into a movie because yeah, that that's, that that kind of sucks. And just to like you say, the timing, it was about 11 o'clock on Friday. So there was only mm. two other films that had only just really started the screening. So it wasn't like the middle of the day where we could just leave, go do something else and come back. It was just so yeah. awkward. Yeah, um, we'd have had to have watched an hour and a half of the movie again and been there till 2 a.m. To, yeah. to see this at that moment in time, which I was not prepared to do. Or, or make like another two hour trip just to end a movie, which is just mm. not going to happen. So um mm. But yeah, hopefully, looking forward, because yeah, next week is a big movie that we're looking forward to, that we pray... That's the last 10 minutes of 10 rings. No. Um, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't shit the bed, because really, I really want to watch all of Malignant, not just 90% of Malignant. <laughs> um, because uh, yeah, next week is a big one, and it's kind of one of the last big ones until we get into the madness of October, where we kind of have a few chill weeks, it seems like. Um mm. Because I can't think of another cinema release until we're in October. Um, obviously, in a couple of weeks after Malignant, we've got Midnight Mass as kind of like the next big release. Um, mm. Obviously, on Netflix as a TV show. But yeah, we, it will quieten down a bit. Like you say, we've still got, we still want to see Profile as like an on demand movie. Yeah, um, for sure. It would be nice to maybe get in a bit of Wes Craven as well, because it's been about three, maybe four months since we did one of those. And we have, a, a, pretty, we have a pretty interesting one. That, uh, really? If anything, I just want to see the shit show that is ranking these movies, um, because it's going to be us fighting with our own children in the form of a ranking list, which is going to be interesting, mm. to say the least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all of that to look forward to. Um, but yeah, that was episode 264, where we discussed Censor. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Cause I never could How could I start that?